Hello and welcome. This is Vince Horn, host of the Buddhist Geeks podcast, back again for another podcast. I mentioned at the end of the last episode, um, stirrings from the, from the bardo, that I was going to be embarking quite probably on a new series for Buddhist Geeks, exploring a taboo topic. You've probably already guessed from the title of this episode what that topic might be. I'm going to be engaging in a meditation on psychedelics. I'd love for you to join me in that meditation, that contemplation. And I wanted to start it by talking a little bit about the subject itself, some of the different aspects of it, why this particular series, so you can get a sense of the scope of what we'll cover in this discussion. So meditating on psychedelics. This is something that I've been meditating on um, for quite a while myself, and it's something I've meditated on mostly in private. Uh, before Buddhist Geeks uh, went into hibernation mode to the limbo, I did a conversation with Roland Griffiths, who's the lead researcher at Johns Hopkins University. And we talked about his research into psilocybin and mushrooms. He's doing a number of different research projects looking at the effects of mushrooms on advanced meditators, on people who are, are close to death, um, at people who are new to meditation. And in our conversation, we talked not only about his research, which is incredibly interesting and it's part of the series now, but also I shared with him my own uh, quote unquote research in this field and shared with him um, for the first time publicly uh, with anyone that psychedelics have been something that I've been curious about, interested in, experimenting with for um, at least the last, I guess it's four or five years now. And for me, that was a liberating experience to speak openly about something that had become important to me and felt relevant and important in general, but which is a much misunderstood and maligned topic. It's a taboo topic. It's something for very understandable reasons we don't talk about much in public, namely because psychedelics, almost all of them are classified as Schedule 1 or Schedule 2 drugs by the United States. They're illegal in most every place in the world. They're considered to have, many of them, absolutely no value, spiritually, medically. And yet, people who have used them anyway um, realize, most of them, many of them, that there can be value in their use. And in this series, I really want to hone in, not on psychedelics more generally in the use of psychedelics, but the ritualized use of psychedelics and the way that relates to and is connected to dharmic practice. So when I say ritualized psychedelic use, I think many of you probably know what I mean by that, using it with some intention, some clear intention in a ritualized way 
where there's some clear form and focus with a particular aim in mind, whether that's contemplative growth or healing or self-insight. And I think to start exploring how I want to make this exploration, I, I first want to talk about some of the different camps that people seem to fall into in terms of how they already relate to this topic. Their general response to how or whether psychedelics should be used, how or whether they should be considered as part of one's contemplative life. And so I've come up with a sort of schema, I guess. It's it's not something that's written in stone. It's not meant to be academic. It's just a useful orienting framework that I've found where I've sort of identified five different camps that people seem to fall into. So first, I'm just going to mention that I've also written a post on Medium to go into more detail into each of these camps and to kind of flesh out the details. Here, I'm just going to kind of briefly mention them. You can find a link to that on our Medium uh, site, medium.com slash buddhistgeeks. You can also find a link to it on buddhistgeeks.org. It's called Meditation and Psychedelics. What camp are you in? So these five camps that I've sort of seen appear again and again, and I've been in multiple of them myself, are first what I call the anti-psychedelic Puritans. Next come the tolerant Buddhists. Then we have the psychedelic Buddhists. The psychedelic evangelists. And then lastly, the psychedelic agnostics. So again, the anti-psychedelic Puritans, the tolerant Buddhists, the psychedelic Buddhists, psychedelic evangelists, evangelists, and psychedelic agnostics. And... I've also found it helpful to kind of think about what in each of these different camps, wherever we find ourselves. And again, these are camps. These aren't people. These are just responses. Sometimes people can be in one or more camps, even in a single conversation. So this isn't to sort of pigeonhole people, although what camp are you in is meant to be more of a provocative title than a, uh, a way of categorizing you. And people change their perspectives over time often. But one of the things that are interesting about these camps is that they have a kind of general response to the question of whether or not one should be uh, considering the use of psychedelics. The anti-psychedelic Puritans, their general response is absolutely not. No way. And here I'm using the term Puritan not in the Christian sense, um, because that word has some deeper meaning, but more in the kind of common secular way that that term is understood. The tolerant Buddhists, their response to this question, whether or not we should consider using psychedelics, is maybe, but, dot, 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 maybe, but. The psychedelic Buddhist response is yes and. Yes, and. 
the psychedelic evangelists are absolutely yes. Yes, you should. And the psychedelic agnostics are, I don't know. Don't know. So again, you can go into more kind of detail into these camps if you want to see um, on our Medium page. But what I, why I wanted to bring this up is that this series on meditating on psychedelics, we're going to explicitly be focusing on two of these camps. We're actually going to leave out three of them intentionally. So the two we're going to focus on are the tolerant Buddhists, the maybe buts, and the psychedelic Buddhists, the yes ands. Now the question rolling around maybe in some of your heads is, okay, why? Why are you leaving out certain camps or perspectives? For a long time, I sort of harbored this idea that including every perspective all the time was always a good idea. I guess you could say I was a sort of psych, uh, perspective Puritan. <laughs> but in this case, I think leaving them out is going to help focus the conversation to make it a more productive one to lead to more interesting and relevant insights in terms of the deeper intention of this series, which is for me to gain a deeper understanding of the relative merits and dangers inherent in the coming together, the convergence, the intersection, the hybridization, even potentially of dharmic practice, of Buddhist practice, and ritualized psychedelic use. So I want to gain a deeper understanding of the nuances of the way that these two things come together, how they come together. And I'm interested in that because I think this understanding, a deeper one, could have a an effect on people's choices on whether or how they use psychedelics. And I also think even for those people that have no interest in using them, that don't want to take the risks, which is understandable, that at least then those folks, if they're interested, can be more informed on the subject. And I say more informed here in the context of leaving out certain perspectives, because I think two of these perspectives, the anti-psychedelic Puritans and the psychedelic evangelists, the absolutely no's and the absolutely yes, yeses, these positions or these camps are rooted in an ideological stance that contradicts the obvious cultural and scientific evidence that psychedelics are neither all good, nor are they all bad. When I say cultural, I mean the first-hand reports of thousands, tens of thousands, many, many, many people who have tried and used these things. Some of them have had really terrible, difficult, painful, disorienting experiences. Others have had useful, positive, enlightening, joyful experiences. I personally have had both. Although, and this is something I'll get into in my own perspective on this, 
I've found even the worst and most difficult perspectives I've learned from. That said, not everyone learns something useful from using psychedelics. Some people, it leaves them much worse off than they were before. And so that's what I mean when I say there's cultural evidence that contradicts these ideological positions. And so just on the face of it to me, um, these camps are not rooted, if they're that absolute in their opinion, in the evidence, they're rooted in their ideas about how things are. And that becomes a problem when that ideology is universalized, when it's implied that this is true for everyone. It shuts down the conversation, doesn't open it up. The absolutely no's shut down the conversation. There is no way to have a conversation with an anti-psychedelic Puritan aside from either agreeing or disagreeing with them. And the psychedelic evangelists in the same way, they shut down the conversation by telling you, no, 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 this, this is the way it is. This is true for everyone. Everyone can get benefit and will get benefit from psychedelics when they use them. And interestingly, these two camps are also reflected in the social cultural dialogue about these things. The anti-psychedelic Puritan camp is, unfortunately to me, the rule of law. When Nixon and company uh, decided to outlaw <laughs> psychedelic use in response to Timothy Leary and the cultural movement of the hippies, he essentially said the rule of law now is that these things are abs- they absolutely carry no value. That's actually what a Schedule One drug is, something that is said to have absolutely no value from a medical perspective. There's absolutely no value there. And many psychedelics, classic psychedelics are listed as schedule one drugs. The counter cultural response to that has been often the psychedelic evangelists who say, no, 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 this is always useful. It's always good. It should, it, it never does any, any harm. And that's the position from which a lot of people um, try to, to change that law. And that's, if you go online and kind of start Googling you know, psychedelic use, uh, a lot of the things that one finds there fall into those two camps. But again, neither one of these groups in my mind is going to have much to offer this conversation about how do we understand the relative merits and dangers of using ritualized psychedelics with Buddhist practice. The agnostics, um, I'm leaving them out simply because they don't have much to add to the conversation aside from, in many cases, in some cases, holding down the ever important don't know mind. Obviously, I think it's incredibly important uh, when meditating on anything to consider the possibility of not knowing. 
to let go of one's opinion, perspective, and open to the possibility that I don't have the answers here. That's one of the most important skill sets in meditation. It's in some ways the whole basis of certain traditions like Zen. But there is there are different ways to not know, obviously. Um, there's that kind of don't know, which some agnostics um, may be rooted in. And anyone can access at any time in this conversation or in life. But there's also another kind of not knowing that often comes from ignorance. And I don't mean ignorance in sort of a Buddhist sense. I mean it in the more conventional sense of not having enough information to really have an opinion or make a decision. And I think there's many people who fall into this category simply because it's not something they've looked into. It's not something um, they really care about that much. And so they just don't know. Um, we're going to assume that those folks aren't going to have a whole lot to add to this conversation. It's only really the tolerant Buddhists, the maybe buts, and the psychedelic Buddhists, the yes ands, the people who are, for the most part, open to a kind of give and take conversation about these relative merits and dangers, who have some awareness of them, either secondhand or firsthand, and who've considered and thought about it, and who have landed or ended up somewhere in the spectrum. There's some openness, hence the word tolerant, I'm the tolerant Buddhist. But that doesn't necessarily mean they've concluded it's a good idea for most people. They may actually have a more skeptical viewpoint. So we want to talk to those folks that hold that kind of view to hear why they hold that view. And then we want to talk to the folks, which we're calling psychedelic Buddhists. And this is a term that I've borrowed from Douglas Osto's work. Douglas is a scholar and academic in New Zealand. He wrote a really excellent book recently called Altered States. And it's one of the few books, there's only a handful of them, that talk explicitly about the intersection of Buddhism and psychedelics. Zigzag Zen is the classic and in that book, he talks about a group of people he found through his research who are optimistic about the potential of ritualized psychedelic use and contemplative practice, in particular Dharma practice, of them being able to complement in some way each other. So these people are the yes ands. They think in general it could be a good idea, and they have a lot of qualifiers and things they like to bring up. I tend in this moment um, to be in that camp most of the time, so you understand my perspective um, and how that will inevitably filter the conversation. That said, um, I found myself in the tolerant Buddhist camp and in the agnostic camp. I don't think, aside from brief moments, that I've been in the anti-psychedelic Puritan or psychedelic evangelist camp. I have been in moments uh, utterly opposed to certain things. 
but with psychedelics, um, not so much. I've been fairly open or simply ignorant about the topic. At the moment, that's not the case. And so this is part of the reason that I want to bring up this topic of meditating on psychedelics, because I am so curious about the way that these two domains intersect, how they can inform one another, what lessons can be learned from each for each. I'm interested in exploring this middle ground from different perspectives too. The scientific perspective is one that we've already done a few episodes on. Uh, Catherine McLean on her Buddhist Geeks talk, Psychedelic Science, and as I mentioned, Roland Griffiths and the two-part series we did with him. We want to continue that inquiry and investigation as the science is so interesting. And for me, that was the way into being able to explore it because, okay, science, that's a valid way of exploring. That's something people aren't going to get upset about. Here are these impartial, quote-unquote, impartial scientists doing research. For me, that's like putting a toe into the into the water, but it's not quite sufficient because there are cultural and political and contemplative perspectives on this question that are quite interesting and important. There are technological perspectives on this that are interesting and important. There are many ways in which people have been and are exploring this intersection, often in private, some of them uh, quite bravely in public. And so we want to bring in those voices and those perspectives and those people and, and talk to them about what it is they've learned while inquiring into these things and to bring these different perspectives together into a single meditation, a single inquiry into what it might mean to combine these mind-altering substances with our consideration of doing various forms of dharmic practice. I want to also mention that as Buddhist Geeks is restarting um, with this series, that I'm really in need of support to be able to do this at the level of quality that I know is possible and that I really want to do. So part of what I'm also working on as I record these conversations and go deeply into this, um, in a sense, trusting that the support will be there because it always has been. Um, and thank you for your support that, um, working on both a way to receive just simple donations to support this work and you can do that right now. If you want to go to buddhistgeeks.org slash give, we uh, will gladly accept your support financially. Uh, it enables me to have the time and space to work on this, to not have to do other projects that make money. And this is one thing that I really care about and love. And if it's valuable, I hope you will um, ex express in whatever way you're able um, some support. 
I'm also working on um, a new project to help keep Buddhist geeks alive and well and interesting and, and exploring in new ways. Um, a Patreon project. Patreon is a service that allows independent creatives, whether artists or podcasters or any number of writers, filmmakers to get support directly from the, from the people that they're creating for. And with Patreon, um, we're going to be looking at ways to add additional value to this free offering of the podcast. I mean, the podcast has been offered freely since we started from the beginning. I think that's the beautiful thing about podcasting. It's got that very um, beautiful intention and spirit behind it that is very um, similar if you look into the Buddhist tradition and the way that teachings have been offered traditionally. There's a, a nice confluence there between those intentions. And as podcasting has matured and developed, um, in the beginning, almost no one could figure out how they could make a living doing it. Um, and, and, and I struggled and we struggled, my colleagues and I, figuring that out as well. Things like Patreon enable anyone to offer additional value like rewards or features. Some of the ones that we're thinking about include things like instant access to the podcast, meaning the moment that I hit the stop recording button and upload it, that some people could get just instantaneous access to it before it's scheduled to go out. Things like that, um, also considering potentially doing some bonus recordings and content that's a little bit more intimate with closer friends. There's actually a number of uh, possible rewards or possible offerings that we could do in addition to this free podcast that we're going to be exploring. And so another way you might help even at this point is to um, look out for some emails coming from us, asking some questions about which of these rewards you'd find most interesting or valuable. So we can kind of hone in on what would be make the most sense. And we also want to ask you questions about how you value them and what terms you'd value them so that we can figure out what makes economic sense. It's possible if you're listening to this um, that it's already up the Patreon, which you, in case you, you're not listening to this right after it's aired, you could go to patreon.com slash Buddhist geeks and check it out. Either way, um, whether or not you're able to give or you can support us in the R and D process with Patreon, or if it's been a while since this uh, episode has been recorded, it's the end of July right now, 2017. Any way you can support and help will be hugely appreciated and will enable us to um, continue this series and hopefully many more to come. Uh, I also should mention in terms of if you decide to give, uh, to donate directly, Buddhist Geeks is a 501c3 nonprofit or an educational nonprofit. And so it's tax deductible. Hopefully that helps. Again, thank you so much for considering this topic, meditating on psychedelics. I hope that there are many more episodes to come exploring this topic and appreciate your 
attention and support in this exploration. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.